So today, of course, yesterday, I mean, there's so much going on. And yesterday was, was the 20th anniversary remembrance of, of 9-11. And I'm sure most of you knew where you were at at that point if you were old enough. And if you don't, you know the stories. And it's such a tragic event. And I saw some of the things that they were doing yesterday just to kind of, you know, celebrate the heroicness and also mourn the loss of that. And, and that's important for us to do um, as a nation and as a people. I mean, it was, it was a difficult thing to go through, and I have many memories of that um, and, and stories that we could all tell. And I was, as, as I was looking at some of those things yesterday, you know, you, you can feel, you can feel the people be encouraged by what others did, and you can also feel the pain of what people suffered. And, you know, and, and I just got into this looping thinking of my, uh, the way I do it. I just keep looping these things around in my head. And, and there's so much going on that right now that just feels sorrow, sorrowful. I can't talk today. Um, and just, it doesn't, it just feels icky. There's so many things going around. And, and I just kept going to the Lord with that and say, why, why? Nice job, Anthony. Sorry, I didn't catch it in time. I saw this white line attached to your head. <laughs> Sorry, I should have said something, but. I don't think anyone noticed. They, they noticed when it fell out of your ear. <laughs> I appreciate you, brother. Um, but yeah, I just, yesterday was just filled with, and, and not just yesterday, it's been a while. I mean, and you watch the news and you hear stories and, worse, you're on social media, you see all the, all the crazy stuff going on and just, it just boggles the mind and it doesn't do the soul very well. You know, it, it just feels that way. And I, I just kept thinking and, and, you know, I started, this is just because I'm logical. I started looking at, you know, topics on sorrow and despair and all this stuff. And I just kept hearing that, I kept hearing this, and we used to sing this a lot, in New Hampshire when I was a kid, uh, rejoice, rejoice, and again I say rejoice, I forget the whole song, but and that kept popping into my head, I'm like, I don't want to rejoice, I, I don't, I I don't want to do that, there's nothing to rejoice about, because it feels that way, so I yielded, and I said, okay, rejoice, so I looked, looked it up in the dictionary, which I typically do, and rejoice means to feel or show great joy or delight. And joy means a feeling of great pleasure and happiness. So when you put it all together, it's a, it, you basically say this. The scripture that, that I looked up was Philippians 4.4. 4. It says, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. So if we put that into uh, the context of what those meanings of those words are in English is basically this. Rejoicing is you feel and show that we have great pleasure and happiness and delight in our God. When? Always. Really? Yes, you heard me correctly. Feel and show that we have great pleasure, happiness, and delight in our God. And that is not so easy to do, if we're honest, 
right? We can sing the song and rejoice and rejoice, and when everything's going our way, it's easy to rejoice. It's easy to just, you know, give God everything. But we're in the middle of sorrow sometimes, and, and when with the world gone crazy as it is, um, rejoicing seems like something we probably should hold off on. You know, and, and I can understand that because it's almost like, and, and then you say to yourself, well, I feel like I'm forcing myself. Exactly. Exactly. But in the world gone crazy with the terrible situations in Afghanistan, the earthquakes, the floods, the wildfires, the ongoing pandemic, which is real, but which also is being used to strike fear in the hearts of many, we're divided like ever before, like never before. We, we, are, we are divided. Not just this country. The world is so divided. It's just unbelievable, and it's getting worse. It can get worse. It probably will get worse. It seems like we don't have much to rejoice in these days. And there are many times, there are times to rejoice, but there just doesn't seem many of them. You know, we take them a little bit at a time, uh, but in the meantime, in the middle of the rejoicing, we're in a mood, we're in a foul mood. We are just feeling on edge all the time. I know I'm not the only one. But you say, well, Pastor John, you've just told us that the scripture says to rejoice. And how often are we supposed to do that? Always. Sounds like the person that wrote that scripture must have had a very flowery, colorful life. In fact, that person was Paul. By the way, he was in prison in Rome facing trial for his life when he wrote that. Oh, and before he got there, a little bit about Paul. He was beaten up pretty bad multiple times. He was chased out of towns. He was shipwrecked. He was blinded. He was bitten by snakes. He was whipped many times by the Jews. He was stoned by others. He was weary many times in his soul. He was abandoned by his friends when he was in prison. And there was so much more that this man went through. So this isn't just something you live this, this isn't just something that you can do because you're enjoying a very cushy life. You know, don't, don't you ever think that people who have everything have nothing to complain about? Everybody complains. And we think that, God, I, I, I know I keep coming to you, but if I just had this, God, if you would just give me this, I'll be fine. Unfortunately, he knows our human nature. As soon as we get that, we're going to want something else. Nothing on this earth, and I'm going to tell you this, is ever going to satisfy you. Nothing. There's no relationship that's going to fully satisfy you on this earth. There is no amount of money that will completely satisfy you on this earth. I mean, we got the two richest people in the world building rockets, chasing each other in outer space, and they and they're still want more. It's silly, but kind of cool, but silly. <laughs> This is someone, Paul, who was fully immersed, had been fully immersed in despair. He's sitting in a prison, and it's not like prisons you see on TV nowadays with a, a nice, nice bunk to sleep in. This was disgusting. 
it was probably most of the time when you were in prison in those times, they didn't think you were going to survive, so no bother really doing much with you. They didn't give you much to eat. He's writing this, encouraging people who are living in cities and have their own homes and who have meals every day, encouraging them from his prison cell. I don't know about you, but lately it seems like punches just keep coming left and right out of everywhere. And, you know, normally we can take a punch or two, but when they're just hitting you and hitting you, and I'm not a boxer at all, so I'm going to really go out on a limb here and say that if you just keep taking shots, well, I've seen Rocky a a few times. (laughs) Yeah. You know, and, you know, you can, you can look, and I don't know how even boxing works, like how they score, but, you know, you can hit somebody a little bit and jab, 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 jab. Those jabs are going to eventually wear them down, and they're going to be just totally deflated after a while. It's fun to see the knockout punch, but before that comes, you're wearing somebody down, and that one punch is going to do it for you. And sometimes that's how I feel, is it waiting for that one punch is going to knock me out. And they seem to be coming and coming, and, you know, there's no end to it, and I was just talking to Michelle the other day. She's at home, by the way, nursing our dog back to health. She got sick again. She's the $6 million dog I've named her. (laughs) But it's worth it. Pound for pound, she's probably like $2,000 per pound. (laughs) But anyway, where was I going? See, I do this, and then I I lose my focus. Boxing Boxing and, and, and being knocked out. Yeah, I was telling Michelle the other day, and we were just talking, and I said, you know what? It, it seems like every other day there's a major issue going on for us. You know, there was, and everybody has the same thing. I'm not saying anything for you to feel sorry for us because we, we don't need that, and we know who our God is, and I know a lot of you are struggling with worse things. But doesn't it seem like sometimes it's like they keep, the punches keep coming, and you don't have time to even breathe or go to the corner so the coach can tell you how to fight back? I'm using a lot of boxing analogies. This is something I've never done. I've never talked about boxing in church, so that's a good thing. But that's how it feels, and um, the punches just keep coming. Many of you, though, I know I've been struggling and dealing with some major issues. I've talked to a lot of you. I've prayed with you. I've called you on the phone. Um, a lot of them have literally been life or death. You know, we're, we're not immune to this just because we're Christians, but just because we say we know Christ. You know, it's, it's, there was a time in Christianity and some churches where if you were sick, it's because you didn't believe God enough, or if you got a disease, it's because, you know, well, you must not be doing something right. God's punishing you. That's hogwash. But in times of trouble, our, our, what should our attitudes be? Rejoice. And sometimes you're going to rejoice, and sometimes you're going to just go, yay. That's all you can do. Just do it. It's easier said than done, though. And that's the truth and the reality of it. We love reading the scriptures that make us feel good and give us hope, but do we act on them or do we just read them and then just say, that's not for me or that's for somebody else or my situation is so much more dire than this and a scripture verse is not going to fix it? And that's true. Naming a scripture is not going to fix anything. It takes an action. It's a choice. It's your choice to rejoice. And if you don't choose to rejoice, you can always rechoice and then rejoice. Rechoice. 
It's very bad when you have to highlight your, your pun and people don't get it, but that's okay. But it is, and, and we read scripture and all these verses and we think, you know, rejoice, rejoice. Yeah, and I'll rejoice when I feel like it. When I feel rejoicing, I'll rejoice with the best of them. When things are going well, I will rejoice with the best of them. No. You have to choose to rejoice in your pain, in your diagnosis. You have to, re-choo- you have to choose to rejoice in your five months to live that the doctors are giving you. I know this is hard, and I, I don't know if I could do it, honestly. But it's, it's what Scripture tells us to do. It's what Scripture tells us to do. Not only Scripture, but the Lord tells us to do that. Rejoice. And it is a choice. And sometimes you just have to start saying that to yourself over and over again until you start feeling it. And God will actually make you feel that way. It's, there have been times in my life where I struggled with some things, nothing crazy, but I had chosen to do that. And it changed my mind. It changed the thoughts in my head. It directed me towards the Lord, and I was able to rejoice in situations that I couldn't think I would, that I wouldn't think I could. (laughs) Here's my coffee. I left it over there. I only had one cup today, so this is a one-cup coffee message. I was talking with Susie. I'm sure she wouldn't mind me sharing this, but, you know, we closed down for two weeks. Um, Yesterday, we were supposed to have a big event at her house, uh, outdoor service, which we'll do again. Um, and she was telling me, she said, you know, God, he said, I, when, we fir- when I first said, heard that we weren't going to be doing this, I was very disappointed. Susie loves having people at her house, and she's so good at it. She's such a hospitable person. She loves the company. And she was, she was a little bummed that we weren't doing it. But then she said, you know what? It was perfect timing because everything happened yesterday. She said, I don't know how we would have done it. She said, I, I thank God for, I said, yep, he knows when he lines things up for us. And, and, in, the, and in the moment, you're thinking, God, this is not, this is not what I need. <laughs> and he just laughs and says, you, you don't know what you need because you don't even know what tomorrow's going to bring. You don't even know what the next five seconds are going to bring. And that's the truth. It's a choice. Matthew 8, 23. And this is, should be familiar to most of you. Now, when he got into a boat, Jesus, his disciples followed him. And suddenly a great tempest arose on the sea so that the boat was covered with waves, but he was asleep. Jesus was asleep. And then his disciples came to him and awoke him saying, Lord, save us. We are perishing. I'm sure it was a lot more than that. I'm sure it was screaming and yelling. Oh, oh my gosh. You got to help us. We're dying here. We're gonna, look at the waves. They're crazy. Wake up, Jesus. Wake up. But he said to them, why are you fearful? Which, you know, come on, Jesus, you know why we're fearful. <laughs> why are you fearful, O you of little faith? See, he wasn't telling them that they were, what they were, he was saying what they were fearful of is he didn't think that they could be saved. Not, not, not the waves, that's obvious. The waves and the winds were scary enough for them. God knew he, they were afraid of that, but... He's thinking, you know who I am and who my father is. He arose and rebuked the winds and the sea, and there was a great calm. 
So the men marveled, saying, Who can this be that even the winds and the sea obey him? Now, I guarantee your life would be changed if you were in that boat at that time and you saw that and you witnessed that. But would they, you know, I would imagine that at some point after this event, those disciples would be on a boat again. They had to be. They were fishermen, most of them. They would be on a boat again, and they would come up against winds and waves, and they would see it appear. I guarantee you their outlook on that would be so much different. They already know that that can be easily taken care of by the God that they serve. They would remember what Jesus did for them. In that moment, would they choose fear or would they rejoice? I believe they would rejoice because they know the creator has them. And it is a decision each and every time. And you're going to make decisions today on how you're going to feel about a situation that's in front of you. You're going to make decisions today about things that are coming up. And you're going to make decisions today whether to worry about something that's going to happen a month from now or worry about what's going to happen five or six months from now. And that's your choice. But God says rejoice, rejoice. And as if, and it's, I always think of that verse when it says, and again, I say rejoice. It's like, yeah, you heard me. Rejoice. Rejoice. Yeah, but no, no, just rejoice. From my point of view, just to transition a little bit, the biggest issue in our world right now is division. And if some of you disagree with that, that only proves I'm right. (laughs) All right, there you go. You got it. Republican, Democrat, independent, vaccinate, don't vaccinate, masks, no masks, open borders, closed borders, on and on it goes. There's always been division, but it seems like it's gotten exponentially worse to the point where we expect if, if somebody doesn't agree with us or anything else we believe, we cut them off. We don't ever talk to them again. They're dead to us. And that, folks, is a shame. Jesus, the cornerstone of the church, had more disagreements with the people he met. Yet he still hung out with them. He had conversations with them. Wow. You mean they, they totally didn't? weren't buying into who Jesus was, but he still talked to them anyway? Why? Why would he waste his time with people who are never going to come to him? Why don't he go to the people that, you know, that has some, you know, possibility that they were going to join them? Because that's what we're supposed to do. It's easy to save people that want to be saved. It's really difficult to hang out in corners where you're not comfortable with. Jesus hung out with people that were despised, despised by people and hung out on more than one occasion, not just to show that, oh, look, I'm, I'm hanging with this person. Take a picture quick because that's as long as I'm going to care about them. <laughs> Jesus hung out with people that were, dis- they were despised by many and more on, one, and then on more than one occasion. His own followers were questioning him, saying, Jesus, why would you hang out with such scum You do know that everyone on this planet living is loved by God. 
Yep, even everybody you're thinking right now or that you saw in the news this morning. Loved by God, created by God. How would Jesus have felt when his disciples disciples, and whoever else were telling him that he was hanging out with scum? You're calling God's children scum? Well, they're not God's children yet because they don't believe in him. They're God's children now. Whether they believe or not, God created them. Thinking, Jesus, you're going to ruin your reputation. Man, I really can't speak. Reputation. You're going to ruin your reputation if you keep hanging out with these people. You know, if he had a PR person, that person would have quit quickly. Because he would be have, he or she would have no excuses for what he was doing. It's like Jesus, you can't go to that bar. You're the Son of God. What are all the Jewish leaders going to say about you? What are they saying now? The problem is the people that need to hear him are hanging out where the Jewish leaders wouldn't dare go. starts hanging out with people in bars, though, how could he call himself the son of God? Isn't that going to tarnish him? Jesus would never hang out with bars. In fact, he did. He also hung out with prostitutes. Oh, my God. You can't say that in church. He did. We need to follow teachings of Jesus and what he did. We need to go to the people that need to hear him. And we don't have to be worried about being associated with who we go to. There will always be people that are going to say, you see Pastor John was was at a bar yesterday? (laughs) Sushi bar, yeah. And you'd be surprised at how many people that call themselves Christians are literally fearful of what others are going to think instead of being fearful of what God is telling you to do. Now, I'm not telling you all to go to a bar later. That's up to you. But what I'm saying is, if there was no place Jesus wouldn't go to get somebody, there should we should have the same mentality. And if somebody wants to criticize you, if somebody that attends your church is going to just say, what were you doing there? Do you know who that person is? You know what they've done. And they're going to start associating you with them. And see, I get into all of that because that's where we are in this world right now. You cannot have a differing opinion than somebody else anymore without being blasted, condemned, um, unfollowed because of it. Here's what I say about that. Who cares? I, I don't care what people on Facebook think of me. I, I, I care to a degree, but when I know that what's in my heart and what God has asked me to do is what he wants me to do, then I'm sorry, I'm going to do it. And here's the thing. God's never going to tell you to do something that goes against him. So you, you got to be confident in what he's telling you and do it. You know, we think too much. We use our human brain more than we should. Some of us don't use it enough. 
is a balance. We use logic instead of trusting in the one who calms the storms. Logic would tell you to get your life preserver on and hold on to ropes or whatever and just hope for the best. Trusting in God says, all right, you talk to the wind. Yeah, Jesus, go ahead. If that's what you think is going to happen, he's going to talk to the wind. That's what he said. He's going to talk to the wind. Yeah, he said he's going to talk to the wind. What does that even mean? I don't know. Well, should we put our life vest on? Should we fend for ourselves? Because he's obviously lost it if he's going to talk to the wind. No, he talked to the wind. And what did the wind do? It stopped. That's not logical. We use what's trending today to figure out who we want to be tomorrow. You know, we, we look at what everybody else is doing today and say, I want to be like that. That's the way to go. Here's the problem with trends, and if you've been on social media or Twitter or anything, trends change often. So you could be one thing one day. You could buy all the things that, you, that would clothe you in whatever the latest trendy thing is, and then two weeks later, you're going to be selling that on eBay and losing your shirt, literally, because they, they charge you so much for selling stuff on eBay. Sorry, eBay. I'll cut that out of the podcast. But you're going to get rid of all that, and you're going to put on a new, something else new. And you're going to change your identity so many times when all you're doing is masquerading the one identity that you have, and that is the identity in Christ. But it's so tempting, right? Because I want to be like everybody else, and this person gets all these likes and hits, and, and, and everybody just loves this person. I want to be just like them, so I'm going to change who I am, and I'm going to put on this false persona and going to be something I'm not supposed to be, and I'm going to be miserable. Because you're not true to who God created. You are going against the DNA, both physically and spiritually, that God has embedded into you. Just to chase something like that. We look at people we despise, and we make sure we do everything the opposite of what they are doing. That's the world we live in. And, and the key word is we look at people that we despise. We make the judgment call on them. I don't like what they're saying. You're gone. I don't like what they're presenting. You're gone. I don't like what they believe in. You're gone. Anyone that's not like us doesn't think like us is beyond repair and therefore our enemy. We'll take, talk about masks. If you wear a mask, you're a fool. If you're not wearing a mask, you're a fool. If you got the vaccine, you don't trust that God will protect you. If you don't get the vaccine, you're not loving your neighbor. Come on, people. There's a lot more to it than that. We know that. We put each other in boxes, and when we do this, we're playing right into the enemy's hands. He loves this so much. I want to read to you something about um, COVID from our um, Church of God. I had it on my phone, and of course. The Church of God um, in Cleveland, Tennessee, who we are a part of, has uh, issued a statement about all of this, and I want to read it to you because I like what he said, and as soon as I find it on my phone, I will read it to you. But 
um, it's about the vaccine. It's about masks and, and all those things that, you know, <laughs> we hear every day. And um, I apologize. I had this up in a minute. All right, here we go. So Dr. Timothy Hill is our general overseer for the Church of God International. And um, a couple weeks ago, he wrote this. He says, as a result of a resurgence of COVID-19 and recent political statements, the, the vaccine issue is at the forefront of news and people's thoughts. There are significant opinions about taking the vaccine or not taking the vaccine. As we speak to this issue, let me remind our constituent, constituency that the Church of God is comprised of a diverse group of people in both ministry and membership. We have pastors, leaders, members, and some in the medical field who strongly believe the COVID-19 vaccines should be taken, and some believe it should be mandated. In contrast, there are equally others of our church family supported by some in the medical field who just as strongly stand against taking the vaccines and mandates in addition. There are those, there are those with beliefs between these two strong positions as well. It is obvious the concerns of our church constituency cover the full spectrum of views regarding the COVID-19 vaccines. In the final analysis, the only responsible, reasonable position that we as a church can take is that the decision to take the COVID-19 vaccine is a personal and individual health care decision that one should make prayerfully and with consultation of a doctor or a health care professional. As a church, I believe it's critical for each one of us to individually to seek God's wisdom as we make this important personal health decision care decision. Regardless of one's personal preference, may we be united as a body of believers to pray for one another around the world that God will heal and preserve us to fulfill the Great Commission. And that, that's really it. It is your decision. And it's tempting, you know, I love science. I always, I always have will because I believe at the core God is in the middle of all of that he's created everything that we have it's it's good and purposeful to explore it we're getting so divided not just within the church but even outside I mean obviously outside the church with with doing that just labeling people because of what they decide to do if you didn't get a vaccine I love you if you got one I love you wearing a mask, I love you. If you're not wearing one, I love you. That's where it should be. The enemy is really putting this thing. It's and not just this thing. It's, this is a good thing for the. Here's why this is a good thing, play for the enemy because it's a worldwide pandemic. So everybody's involved. Otherwise, if it was just for the United States, you know, nobody else is going to care around the world. It's, it's everywhere, and the enemy is just, he's just rubbing his hands together, saying, this is beautiful. I can start breaking apart churches, and it's been happening, because somebody's wearing a mask, and somebody doesn't want to wear a mask. I can, I can do the same thing with a vaccine, and I'm just talking about these two things, but there's a plethora of things, I said that correctly, there's a plethora of things that are out there that you can, 
that you can talk to and, and, and say the same thing and just cause such, such division. And I don't want that to happen because the enemies, you're playing into his hands if we do that. You know, you could be frustrated with somebody that's not wearing a mask or somebody that is. Why, why though? Why? Yeah, there are, there are some health conditions, but listen, it's not worth dividing over. You come to a consensus on some of this. You can do what you feel you are supposed to do. And like Jesus would, if Jesus was a mask wearer and you weren't, he wouldn't come up to you and, and berate you for not wearing a mask. He would say, hey, let's go out. Let's go, let's go out and talk. Let's go have a coffee together. I won't be able to drink mine because I've got a mask, but you can drink mine for me. You know what I mean? He's not going to just look, and, and the opposite is true. If he's not wearing one and you're, and you're wearing one, he's not going to call you names and say, oh, are you afraid of the virus? Don't you know who I am? We're better than this. We need to be better. Because if the world wants to see true Christianity, they're going to they're gonna want to see no division. And I'll be honest, the church, and I'm not talking about this church, there are a lot of good churches, but the church as a whole is more divisive, I think, than the world is right now. And who wants to go to a place where there's more division than they already see? They want to escape that. People want to feel like they belong to some place. They're not going to feel welcomed in a place where people are looking you up and down when you walk in, scoping you out, and you sit next to them, and, you know, they don't have a mask on, and you do, and you get up, move three spaces. Nobody's done that, but I'm just saying, you know what I mean. Division is everywhere. The enemy is using it to its fullest potential right now. Please do not fall into his trap. And you're going to be tempted as soon as you walk out this door and look at your feed. Somebody's going to be on there. He's like, oh, here we go. Time to blast it. It's tempting, right? Not for Rob because he's in Facebook jail. <laughs> Please don't fall prey to divisiveness. It's a cancer. And it will destroy and it is destroying. Division will rob you of your ability to rejoice. If you catch yourself giving up on this world and all the inhabitants, remember that the men in the boat, remember the men in the boat when they thought all was lost. In the middle of frustration, anger, and fear, and whatever you can name, this is when we are supposed to say, I rejoice. I rejoice. Church, we need to put this in to practice like never before. We have a lot of work to do, and being divided on temporary things is not where we want to be. You agree? Say amen. Listen, I hope I didn't offend anybody today with what I said. But I believe it's truth, and I believe we need to put away some of the divisiveness that we have. And I've had some too, even in my mind. I mean, you don't have to write anything. It could just be in your mind. You know, God's not going to judge you on what you write down. He's going to judge you on what's here and what's here. Or more, more importantly, what's here. 
So you can say all the right things, but if in here is messed up, that's going to cause a problem for you. God, his son, Jesus, would be in the places that sometimes we don't think we should go to because it's going to ruin our reputation. But that is the one place God asks us to go all the time. We want to be comfortable, though. We don't want to lose friends. We don't want to. My biggest fear probably started in high school is I I wanted everybody. I didn't say fear. I wanted everybody to like me all the time. I want, and, and my fear was that somebody would not like me anymore. That carried into my marriage, and um, even after the kids were born, I just fear I, I would go above and beyond to try to make people like me. And probably 10 years ago, a lot of that changed because I realized even though I am awesomely likable, some people that didn't like me and it bothered me and and I started fiddling with myself thinking like well maybe if I do this and then I started realizing well then that's not me anymore and listen God asks us to be in good standing with everybody but he also says it's not going to happen God knows that because we're human and we're going to mess up Doing the right thing is going to cost you. It's going to cost you, but doing the right thing is what we're asked to do. And the one who matters most is telling us what to do. So do it. If there's something that you're holding back on that you're not doing or something you feel like, if I do this, it's going to really mess up some things and you know it's not an easy thing just to say yes and it's okay to pray about it but pray about it and if God's asking you to do it I'm telling you there's a reason and it's not just to benefit you it's to benefit the people that you are going to contact and be with so do it it's not easy it's not fun sometimes it's not but the blessing and the promise of the blessing is always for sure minutes. Sorry, I give you three minutes back next week. Listen, I'm glad you came today, and I'm so glad you're back, and I'm glad to be back, and um, we are looking forward um, just to uh, dive into scripture again next week. We're going to talk a little bit more about this. Um, we are going to be um, doing the, the student or church, the kids service again uh, on a Sunday. I think um, I'll get with Susie on that because we missed that because of the Two, two weeks we were out, but we're definitely going to do that. The kids were kind of a little bummed about that, of course, but um, we are going to do that again, so uh, probably the end of October. Um, so I'm looking forward to that. I hope you are too. And listen, I just pray blessing over you and your families right now. Let's, let's pray. Father, I just thank you for meeting us here today, Lord. I thank you that we're back here, Lord, and, and not because we want to be in the comfort of a building, but just to be around each other, Father, and and, you know, just a fellowship of one another, which, which you say we should do often. And, Father, I just ask that you challenge us all as, as we received your words today, Father, about division, Lord, and about rejoicing. And, Father, I, I confess to you that I get caught up in the moment, Father, and instead of rejoicing, I just fall into despair. And I woe is me attitude, Father, and you know that. You've seen me do it, Father, and I just ask your forgiveness for that, Lord. And I pray that 
the words in Scripture and the words that your son taught us, Father, just ring out that we should be rejoicing in you all the time under any circumstances, Father. And we know that's hard for us humans, but Lord, we will do it. We will do it because we know that there's a blessing for us there. And Lord, I thank you for each and every one who attended today. You know all their needs, Father, as they walk in that door and they walk out. Father, I pray that you meet them today. You meet some of their needs today, Father, and you show them who you are. And Lord, we just ask as a, as a church, Lord, that we continue to fulfill the Great Commission here in Front Royal and Warren County, Lord, that you give us um, places to go, give us opportunity to minister, Father. Each individual here, Father, can, has the authority to witness in your name, Lord. And we pray that we just meet people, that they need you, Father, and we can give them hope, Father, and they can seek you out. Father, we pray for all those who are sick and recovering today, Father. We just ask that you just heal them quickly. And Lord, we just pray that um, you just heal this land, Father. Heal before we ask you to heal the world, Father. Let's just start with each of our hearts. Just heal our hearts today, Father, and our minds and, and some of the negative thinking we've had and some of the divisive thoughts, Father. And I've had them too, Father, and I, I understand how powerful they can get when we hold on to them and let them grow and fester. Father, I ask for your forgiveness in that, Father, and I ask that you we see everyone as a child of God, even, even the ones that we say that's no way that is that possible that they are a child of God, but indeed everybody here breathing is a child of God. Let us remember that as we go today. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you all. I thank you for coming and um, appreciate you. I will see you here next week. Don't forget to sign up for Apple Butter. Um, if you do, I'll give you a penny. They don't make them anymore, but when they start making them, I'll give you a penny. God bless.